Hey everybody, it's Nick. I'm the youth pastor at Azure Hills and you can just call me Nick. And whether you know me well or not, this is going to be an abnormal request I make here at the beginning. And that is that you would grab something to take notes on, whether it's a phone that you have with you or a pen and paper or watercoloring, whatever you want to do to take notes. I would love for you to take some notes today because I want there to be active listening and engagement. And this is a message that I hope you will really take action on. And we'll get to that at the end. But I'm going to give you 10 seconds because I know I don't like to miss anything. So here it goes. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Blast off. Let the story begin. I was away from home. I was on a bus and I was trying to read or maybe sleep or something. But it was difficult because... Something was happening on the bus that was disturbing me. It was something really important. Some guys were gathered in the middle of the bus trying to figure out an important thing, come to a grand conclusion. And it was, who is the greatest basketball player of all time? Was it Michael? Was it Kobe? Was it LeBron? And they went back and forth. The volume was high. It went long. And... Of course, they never came to any conclusions. And I really wish they had because I've heard this same conversation over and over and over. My vote's definitely with Michael Jordan, um, but there's no consensus. And that's just one sport. The debate continues. Uh, a neighbor down the street from me in Michigan claimed that he was the greatest boxer of all time and Yes, his name was Muhammad Ali. Something else that's interesting that he said is, if you even dream of beating me, you better wake up and apologize. I think that is a hilarious line. Now we've talked about two sports, basketball and boxing, but what about football and all the different positions? What about baseball? You've got pitchers and you've got batters and all the different positions. What about the beautiful game? What about soccer? What about runners and swimmers and bikers and racers of all kinds? What about the Olympians who compete with people from all over the world? Who's the greatest? What about the ever-evolving extreme sports that just leave us shaking our heads with amazement over and over on the regular because of the amazing stunts they do? And that's just the field of sports. Who's the greatest? What about... Uh, entertainers. Every year we have annual ceremonies to give awards to the best entertainers. We have the Grammys, we have the Oscars, the Tonys, the Golden Globes. The church even has Dove Awards. I'd like to have one, wouldn't you? <laughs> we compare everything from the biggest pumpkins to the hottest bods. We compare everything. Who's the greatest? What's the greatest? What about all the teachers, the speakers, the writers, the scientists, the thinkers, the world leaders, revolutionaries, presidents? The list goes on and on. Who is the greatest? Who's the greatest of all of these? The question is constant for us. We admire the dedication, the excellence, the talent, the gifts, the prominence, the beauty, the ability, the personality, and the charisma. And these greats can inspire us to do what we do with more passion and diligence. That's good because we all want to be great too. 
we want our kids to be good as well. I was one of those kids once playing soccer, trying to be a great baseball player as well, with my mom screaming from the stands, you can do it. I felt like, yeah, I got this. And, and later on, it was uh, school. I got into school when I was in junior high. It started to feel important to me. Uh, later on, I got into music and I got into speaking. And whatever I do, whether others think I'm great or I'm not great, I always want to be great at whatever. I do. And I see a lot of achievement in this community more than any other I've ever lived in. There's a lot of achievement um, that people are striving for. Um, there's musical, athletic, scholastic, and professional successes that we're striving for and attaining. There's incredible educators and healers and leaders all around us in this area. We all want to be great. And I think we should try to be great. Yeah, let's all be great. Why not? But then there's a problem. There doesn't seem to be a lot of room at the top as person after person and generation after generation and community after community and country after country has up and comers who are trying to dethrone whoever is considered the greatest at the time. There can only be one at the top. Even churches compete and congregations and prospective church members ask themselves, who's the greatest? And they proceed to talk about pastors and facilities and musical style and the warmth of the congregation and potlucks. You got to throw in potlucks to that conversation. We all make these comparisons. We want to know and be associated with and be the greatest. We wonder. How can I be great? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. We want to be great because it's what's celebrated in this world, and we want to be celebrated. Let's talk today about how to be great. On the other side of the world, just shy of 2,000 years ago, some guys we call the disciples were on the debate bus as well. But they weren't talking about sports heroes or anyone else. They were trash-talking amongst themselves. They were comparing themselves to one another in a debate that Jesus wished would end. And the time of the conversation was so strange. One time, Mark records that it happened just after Jesus had predicted that he would be betrayed and killed and would rise again. I don't know what they were comparing. Were, were all the disciples in the race or was it really more Peter and Andrew who were the first followers of Jesus? Uh, versus James and John, who came shortly after um, and were always part of that closest trio to Jesus with Peter. Um, they were close to Jesus, this trio. They saw more miracles than any other uh, disciples. They certainly seemed to have VIP status when they got to see Jesus go up on the mountain of transfiguration and his glory shone and he was with Elijah and Moses. Wow, how incredible to see these guys. Uh, these were the top disciples, the closest to Jesus, it would seem. But where did Judas fall in the mix? He seemed to want to be great. What about Matthew? Um, did they jockey back and forth talking about miracle stories or uh, converts they had made, their speaking, thinking, and professional abilities? How were they determining who was the greatest? Whatever it was, they must have focused 
less on the part about Jesus being betrayed and dying and more on the part of rising because they wanted to rise with Jesus. They wanted to be great. Maybe they were all kind of jockeying about this. Maybe they were doing like Peter saying um, that Jesus could never be taken out like that, forgetting that Jesus had pulled him aside and said, get behind me, Satan. Um, But maybe they boasted about how I wouldn't let that happen to Jesus and how they'd rise up against the Romans or anybody else who tried to do something like that to Jesus. Well, just before the story that we're going to get into today, Jesus again predicted that he would be betrayed and killed for the third time now. It happened one, two, three times. And in this instance, he went into great detail. He said it would happen in Jerusalem. He would be betrayed. The chief priests and scribes would be responsible. They'd condemn him and hand him over to the Gentiles, the Romans, who would mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him. Jesus got explicit in his details of what would happen. And he said three days later, he would rise again. You wouldn't believe the very next thing that happens in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Did you get that? Jesus talks about his coming martyrdom, and they come like, yo, rabbi, we want you to do whatever we ask. From the Greek, you could even read that they demanded that Jesus would do whatever they ask. Can you imagine? Now, Mark wasn't an eyewitness to these events. Uh, He was told uh, the story later. But Matthew, maybe he was there, and he says that these sons of Zebedee, also called the sons of thunder, didn't come to Jesus alone. They came with their mother. Their mama came, and she's the one that asked that Jesus give these positions to James and John. That's right. Mama came to the rescue. How do you feel about that? It feels kind of like they're missing the whole point. They really aren't getting it. Can you imagine making demands like that on the most popular leader of our day? (laughs) as he's just announced his impending death, do whatever I ask. But they may have felt so comfortable to make such an audacious demand because of how Jesus always was with them. He was a friend. and, And I love how Jesus shows up in this instance as well. We see his response in verse 36. And I think this response doesn't just go for these disciples, but for us as well, when our prayers may not always have the best uh, direction or motivation, Jesus simply says, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? How can I help you? Jesus listens and he's ready to help these kids of his and all the kids watching, listening to this message right now, come to Jesus with whatever you want and he'll bring good out of it. You can be assured of that. And just watch what happens. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. The key word here is glory. They wanted the glory. The right and left hand men were positions of power and fame and most importantly, glory, right? They wanted those spots. What a request to follow Jesus 
uh, prediction of his martyrdom, right? But if, as Jesus said, he was going to rise again, whatever that meant, wouldn't he be the only person in history to pull that stunt off? Wouldn't he then, if he did that, be the greatest? If Babe Ruth is so famous for allegedly calling his home run shot over the right field wall against my beloved Cubbies with two strikes on him and then he hits it and it goes and he's famous for it, wouldn't calling your own resurrection be a billion levels above that? Like, that's way better. Um, wouldn't you want to be as close as possible too to the person who's predicting that if you think he can actually do this? You've seen him do miracles. I mean, I would want to rise with him too, wouldn't you? Jesus gets it. He gets them. He gets us. And I love what Ellen White says in The Desire of Ages, that Jesus bears tenderly with them, not rebuking their selfishness and seeking preference above their brethren. He reads their hearts. He knows the depth of their attachment to him. He will not rebuke, but deepen and purify. He will not rebuke, but deepen and purify. Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? The cup and baptism uh, that he's talking about represent just what Jesus knew he would do on this planet all along, that he would suffer a betrayal and humiliation and death. And just before these events came to pass, Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane three times saying, take this cup away from me, but not my will, but your will be done. He's talking about that cup of suffering. Now, not realizing what it was fully probably, uh, but realizing that this might be the one interview question uh, that settles everything, they decided to say, we can and it reminds me of the come what may commitment couples make at their weddings when they say two words with the same meaning, I do. Jesus answers now with a prediction about their futures. What's going to happen to James and John? He says, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they've been prepared. Jesus shared with them what God had shown him. They would suffer. Jesus said in John 15, 20, that if they persecuted him, Jesus, they will persecute his disciples too. And so they did. James was actually the first of the 12 disciples to be martyred for their faith. Um, we learn in Acts chapter 12 that Herod had him killed by the sword. And when he saw that the people liked that, he started to gather up other Jesus followers, including uh, Peter. And a whole awesome miracle story comes out of that in Acts chapter 12. You'll have to check it out later. Um, so James is killed by a sword. And uh, in Fox's book of Martyrs, we learn what happened to John. He was cast into a cauldron of boiling oil. He escaped by miracle without injury. Domitian afterwards banished him to the Isle of Patmos where he wrote the book of Revelation and Nerva, the successor of Domitian, recalled him, brought John back. 
He was the only apostle who escaped a violent death, though he, of course, did experience a lot of persecution. Being thrown in a cauldron of boiling oil is intense. Praise God for that miracle and that we have the book of Revelation now. So James and John would respectively be the first and last disciples of the twelve to die. Jesus was right that they would drink the cup of suffering and experience the purifying baptism of suffering. And I hate to break it to you today, but it's been predicted for you as well. Paul writes in 2 Timothy 3.12 that all who even desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You will suffer for your faith. There's no question we will all suffer persecution if we follow Christ. But there's also no question that eternal bliss is promised to all who live this life for Christ. Amen. What wasn't certain for Jesus was what James and John's positions in heaven would be. Apparently, that wasn't something Jesus knew at that point. And according to Matthew's gospel, it was something that God the Father has prepared for whoever it's prepared for. Now, if you're wondering what your position will be in heaven, the Bible says something beautiful about it, but I'm going to save that gem for the end, so stick with me. Um, But for now, we see that to be great, that road isn't that smooth. It wasn't for Jesus, and it isn't for us, but thankfully, we don't walk this road alone. Nobody becomes great by themselves, and we're no exception. I'm so glad that this story is included in our scriptures so that we could see that we're not the only ones who desire to be great. I believe we're actually all created for greatness, though it may look a lot different than we'd expect. We'll come to that in a moment too. But we are created and gifted with what we need to overcome the hard things we're told by God that we will face in this life. For John, it was a miracle. For Peter, it was a miracle. For James, it wasn't. But he's still overcoming through Christ because he'll be raised again. But we get to pursue dreams and do hard things and win trials and face persecutions with our ever-listening, how can I help, and guiding Jesus with us empowering us all the way. So come as you are, with all your felt needs, with all your wants. He'll always keep it real with you and he'll help you and will deepen and purify you um, by the way he works with you. Well, it wasn't long until the other 10 disciples who also wanted to be the greatest found out what had happened with James and John and Mama and Jesus. Somehow the conversation got leaked and the rest must have felt that James and John and their mom beat them to the punch. Mark says that they were indignant. They were resentful, angry, hurt, offended, annoyed, and as our British friends might say, they were not best pleased. A couple of players on the team were trying to rise up to higher positions through a private meeting with their coach, and they brought their mama. I like that point. You can imagine the news station being all over that, asking Peter, what do you think about this? And he blows up, and the brothers are defending their position, and Judas is making some witty comment, and so on and so forth. Before things get out of hand, Jesus calls a team meeting. And this is the shocking, awesome speech that he made, starting in verse 42. It goes something like this. 
Look, guys, you've seen how the godless rulers throw their weight around. And when people get a little power, it quickly goes to their heads. It's not going to be that way with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Whoa, what a speech. One commentary said that this is the pinnacle and point of the whole book of Mark. Now here's my interpretation. Worldly people use prominence, fame, knowledge, strength, ability, sexiness, money for self-serving means to get whatever they want. But that's not how Team Jesus works. If you want to be truly great and win the eternal championship, which is Jesus' plan for all of us, you've got to use all you've got, not to serve yourself, but to serve and advance others. Jesus said it before, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And he says it here now more clearly. Whoever wants to be great has to be a servant. He's putting feet on that lesson. And it gets deeper still. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. It feels like I want to raise my hand and say, um, Jesus, it's 2020 and we've been having some problems uh, with social inequality. So can we just avoid that whole S word? It's got a lot of baggage for us. Jesus might quote, Horton, from Horton, here's a who. I meant what I said, and I said what I meant. But a slave to all? I mean, what does that look like? And then Jesus patiently reminds me of what he did for me and what he did for all. The prophecy of the suffering servant from the book of Isaiah in chapter 53. you got to look up Isaiah 53 later. If you're taking notes, write that down. And the prediction from Jesus' own lips have come true, as we can see in hindsight. Jesus submitted to a slavish hell for you and for me and for all. Even for those people you don't like, even those with different views and beliefs and lifestyles. And so on the third day of being wrapped up in that tomb, the shot he called on the cross when he said, it is finished, went in. And life exploded from that grave. Jesus isn't just a talker. He can back it up. He's a leader who leads by example. He went first. He descended way further than any of us ever could to live among us in our sin mess, to wash our feet, to die our death, and raise us all up with him. That's what being a slave of all looks like. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served. He could have, but no, he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, you and me. Jesus' example adds all the possible weight to his words. There's nothing that he could do to give more evidence to the reality of this. He did just what he said he would do. He called his shot. As Andy Stanley says, when somebody predicts their own death and resurrection and pulls it off, we should go with whatever that person says. Follow them. Jesus is our example, so let's be like him. Let's do what he says. Let's be slaves of all in Jesus' way. 
The reason people don't feel the weight of the sacred words of our faith is that we know them and we say them, love God with all you are and love your neighbor as yourself, but we don't usually back them up with, their li- with our lives. May God help us. May he help us to follow his example. May he live inside us and transform our motives, moving us from selfishness to selfless love and service. In our moment-by-moment living of our short lives in this needy planet, may we be servants like Jesus. I want to share one more point from this pinnacle verse in the book of Mark. It's the very last part. Jesus gave his life as a ransom for many. Now, when we think of ransom, we think of hostages captured only to be set free if a demand is met. Now, that certainly applies, absolutely, but it gets even deeper. This text is referring back to that S word again. A ransom is what was paid to purchase a slave's freedom. Do you realize that Jesus is saying that all those ransomed were slaves. That all those who haven't let him pay the price and take their place continue to be slaves until they accept the ransom Jesus voluntarily paid with his own life, with his own blood. Jesus gave up heaven's peace to become a slave, to set you free, to set me free, to set all free. Doesn't that just make you want to worship? Doesn't it just make you want to dance and sing, worthy is the lamb, crown him with many crowns. What a beautiful name it is. To God be the glory. Sing it. What a gift he's given to everyone. What a gift Jesus brought all of us, that he bought us back from slavery. Not out of his extravagant abundance. He didn't just send money, but he gave his own life. He became a slave to all. That's what he's calling us to. That's what he's modeling. Be great, yeah, but be like Jesus. Voluntarily be a slave to all. (laughs) He did it for you. Now, he won't force you, but if you're going to follow him, that's the only way. Let love be your motivation in this life not self. Live in worship, not just singing, but singing while serving. The crazy thing is that those Jesus came to serve, they killed him. He was here as a slave, here only for their good, but they didn't want what was good. They wanted blood. They wanted to be on top, to conquer everyone else. They wanted worldly greatness, the kind modeled by the leader of this world from the beginning of the rebellion in heaven, the kind followed by the Hitler types, to be great, to win at all costs, most of the cost being borne by others. People may become the greatest in their field in this way, but they will not become good human beings. They will find themselves on top of some heap of bodies where there's no room for others, stuck, paranoid, and alone. Don't go that route. It does not lead to abundant life that Jesus promised. Rather, be great. Be like Jesus. Be a slave.
If you want to be truly great, you know what it is now. Jesus showed us. But it's not nearly as complicated as you might think to live it out. It comes one small choice at a time. Check out this video from our co-head elder, Keturah Reed, to get an idea of what some are doing to offer their time, their money, and their talents in service to others. Today we are serving the community, giving them food, water, and we're also providing haircut services. It's actually a, a whole block of people living out in tents um, right outside the Path of Life Ministries. And because of the pandemic, shelters are closed, so people have found a little community out here pitching tents right next to each other. And so if you drive down the street, you'll see on both sides of the road, you know, tents just going all the way to the end of the block. We've been doing this well, since March, since the pandemic happened. Most of the food is actually home-cooked meals from one of our volunteers. We were originally were serving our community in San Bernardino, but we decided to come out here because there's a lot of people um, on the streets here behind us that have lost their jobs due to coronavirus. Recently, we have people from Loma Linda, dental students, who um, have experienced cutting hair. Actually, they're currently cutting people's hair. You can go anywhere from some guys just wanting buzz cuts, just to you know, get the get the heat off. And then on occasion, there's people that you know want the usual fade and papers and stuff. But we're just cutting hair out here in Riverside community, and uh, you know, just doing what we can really to you know make people feel like people again. <laughs> Would you like a haircut, sir? How does it make you feel to have this team out here? Oh, it feels awesome that there's someone to come and help us feel better about ourselves. How do you like your haircut? I like it a lot. It's really cool. We're not the only ones out here wanting to help people, each other, um, help each other. And so, like that one, that kid that we just saw earlier, you know, it was so cool to see him. Um, me, me and my cousin and my mom and my auntie, we just came out to feed the homeless because, to be honest, I think that it's not right for them to just like be out on the streets, especially what's, with what's going on in the pandemic. And it's hot out here. That's why we just came out here to give them ice cold waters and some snacks and, and lunch. When I was turning eight, we had came out here and then we had fed the homeless. My mom, she asked me, she said, what do you want to do for your birthday? I said, I want to feed the homeless. She said, you sure? I was like, yeah. So then she kept on asking me like up to that date, like to make sure that I was sure. And I kept on telling her, yeah, I'm sure. And then we came out to feed the homeless and we gave them spaghetti, a dinner roll, some drinks. And I think it was, so I, it was something else, but I forgot. No, oh, and my birthday cake. I hope that, you know, the community out here um, experience hope mm -hmm. and experience love of Jesus um, through through his, his servants. We share God's love to whoever who wants to accept us as friends and we are all God's children and that's important to show people in the streets that they are loved as well. And one, two, three. Awesome. Yay! Thank you guys so much. <laughs> Wasn't that amazing? Those home-cooked meals, that boy giving up his birthday cake, the guy cutting hair, and he had a bandage on that made it look like he just donated blood as well. What a servant. This is awesome. We all want to be great. On the negative side, it's because that's where we think our value is found, in performance. We want to stand out among the crowd. We want to 
be great by beating others. We seek superiority by comparing ourselves to others. But if you want to be great the way God created you to be, be like Jesus. Be a slave of all in love. Don't wait for some big amazing stage with lights shining and people applauding. Start today with a greater commitment to the call of Jesus, to the example of Jesus than you have to your day job. Be great like Jesus by serving with great intentionality where no one will recognize your sacrifice. Retreat in prayer for others like Jesus did. Pray for everything that you notice that is wrong with the world or with people. Ask God what he wants you to do. Lord, how do you want me to get involved? Reveal it to me today. Let me help. Serve your family, those you're going to journey the longest with in this life. Reflect on their needs. Reflect on their wants and make sure they're getting the best of you and not just what's left over. If you feel like you're out of touch with what they need or, or want, ask Jesus awesome question from our passage today. What do you want me to do for you? Hear him out. And if it's something you can do in love, do it. If it's not something you think is going to be best with them, pray for discernment, meet them where they are, and God will lead you forward. As Jesus instructed, serve those who will probably never be able to pay you back for your kindness. Like your children. <laughs> I'm kidding, but I'm not. Um, adults, spend time with your kids and teens doing stuff together, even normal stuff like cooking, cleaning, washing the car. It doesn't have to be extravagant or exciting. Just engage them in practical things with you. Talk to them. It'll take longer, but with the right attitude, it will be a lot more fun and a lot more rewarding for the relationship. Get to know them and care about their, their needs and their dreams. Yeah, they want to be with their peers, but Parents are the greatest influence in their life. You are great, a great influence. Aunties, uncles, family friends, teachers, church folk, you have no idea the impact that you can make on our young people. It's because of my uncle's influence that my brother and sister picked up and moved from Michigan to LA to live and work there. Now, if you're a safe and loving person and have any interest in helping the up-and-coming generation, let me or Pastor Samantha or Pastor Jesse know, any of the pastors, there's a place for you in our church and in the community and world at large. Kids and teens, you may never be able to repay your parents and the other adults in your life for all they've invested in you, but you can honor them, you can serve them, and make your parents glad that they had you. Again, kidding but not really kidding. <laughs> no one can touch a parent's heart the way you can. They feel a lot of responsibility for you. They got to make money for you, educate you, d disciple you in God's ways, and just make sure you survive to adulthood. Show them sincere gratitude. Listen attentively. Step out of your world and notice their burdens and see what you can do to help. Lighten their load. Ask what you can do for them and serve with a smile. You might be surprised by the, the impact and the results. They may shed tears. It, it's not, if it's not your norm, they may get suspicion, ask, oh, what do you want? Well, feel free to tell them what you want. I mean, they asked. But keep it up, and you'll have a much better experience in your relationship with your parents. Young people in our society don't always have the best reputation. Let yours stand out by showing that you think about and serve others just because you want to express and extend the love of Jesus.
1 Timothy 4.12 says that the young should set an example in, in what you say and how you live and how you love in that childlike faith and in purity. God's telling us this because he knows that with him you can do it. You don't need to base your actions on, on what adults or peers do. Don't wait for people to treat you with generous love before you're willing to pour some out. Just be great by service. Love doesn't wait to be loved first. Be the first to serve and give. If we all keep waiting for other hypocrites to do what they say, how are we any better than they? We all know we're to love God and love our neighbors. Let's break the crazy cycle of waiting for someone else to love first and let's go. Let's put that love in action today. Let's all be great. Let's all be like Jesus. Let's all be slaves of love to our friends, our co-workers, our classmates, teachers, bosses, employees, customers, neighbors, those who annoy us, those against us, even our enemies. Love can break down walls. Again, and with less jokes this time, serve those who may not be able to pay you back. Spend your money, time, talents, and passion on others. Donate to worthy causes, fire victims, COVID-19 response, social justice initiatives, orphans and widows, education for children, building wells, homes, and churches around the world, spreading the gospel near and far. Budget money so you have some to give away to needs when you hear about them in our community. Carry helpful items in your car to give away to our homeless population that's just asking for help on our street corners and intersections. And don't worry about slowing down traffic just a little. And always, you can donate to the Azure Hills Youth Budget if you believe in the vision of hope and love and diversity of the Azure Hills Church, please do consider supporting this church. Take some time to investigate the causes that are out there and pray. Wherever you give, be intentional and consider giving with consistency. Be a servant missionary. Find needs and do what you can to fill them. If you don't have the money, try to raise the money. This is what Jesus does for us daily. He sees our needs and he's ready to meet them. Use whatever spiritual gifts or skills you have to serve. If you don't know what you have to offer, ask God to show you. That's a prayer he wants to answer. Experiment. Don't be afraid of trial and error. It leads to growth. And ask somebody who knows you. Someone who knows you well will be able to tell you what they see in you. I did this with a friend just this week and was so encouraged by what they shared, uh, what they saw in me. Pay attention to your passions personality, surroundings, and life experiences in the discovery process as well as you consider where and how to serve with consistency. If you figure out who you are and where you feel called to serve and still don't know where to start, don't let that minor detail get in the way. Look to those who have gone that way before you and ask that favorite question again from our passage today. What do you want me to do for you? Ask it of leaders. Listen to those in need. And then jump in and start helping. It can be super fun and it will be way more rewarding and rejuvenating, honestly, than passively scrolling through social media or chilling in front of the TV for hour upon hour. You won't feel like serving most days. I know this from experience. I don't. You'll want to be served instead. But don't give those feelings more play than the call of Christ who didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many.
be great. Be like Jesus. Be a slave. Now, I hope you're taking notes. Your head may be spinning with all I've said about this, but the thing that's awesome about YouTube is you can rewind it and check it out. No excuses. Today is the day to start figuring this out and doing it. The cool thing about Jesus' path to greatness through service is that unlike the competitive race to be the best entertainer or top student or professional in your field, where there's only room for one best, one person gets the award. In service, there's room for everyone to be truly great. There's plenty of need in this world to go around. As I've just grazed the tip of the iceberg in listing a few needs in this world, you can already see that there's more than enough room to serve for every single person to be involved. Now, it's not a competition, uh, one person, group, ministry, or church against another. It's a partnership among the members of the body of Christ to be his feet washing hands and his gospel bearing feet, bringing good news to all the places that haven't received it, not only in words, but in actions of loving service. There are literally billions of people that you can touch and billions of people that you could partner with to touch them. Let's get activated together. Serve your family and friends and then serve others as a family or a group of friends rather than adding one more thing to your to-do list that's gonna take you away from your crew. Maybe you need to consider cutting something that you're prioritizing over Jesus' call to serve. Are there things that you spend a lot of time and money and energy on that really just aren't that important, especially compared with this? May God help us to get our priorities straight and help us love him by loving his children in need. I know a lot has been cut because of COVID in this season, but consider this as an opportunity to align your priorities with what God's priorities are. Let's serve as voluntary slaves of love to set people free from the oppression of seeking greatness by achievement and self-reliance. Let's introduce them to the God who meets every need with lavish grace and gives success as a gift. He's so generous, he's so inclusive, that even in eternity, he doesn't hog the top seat or top spot. He shares his greatness. Now, this is your position in heaven that I said I was going to share earlier. Revelation 3.21 says that for those who overcome, and that overcoming is done by his grace and his strength, he lets them sit with him on his throne, the place that he reigns from. He lets you sit on the throne with him just as the Father had him sit on his throne with him. That is the position that gives, is given to you by God. There is room for everyone in service where in self-service, there's only room for one. Let's all be great. We can all be great in Jesus. My mind is blown. What an incredible God we serve. There is room for everyone to be great, to be like Jesus, and to be slaves of all in love. There's plenty of adventure to have and needs to meet as we stop talking and start doing today. I do want to close with a challenge for you this weekend. Today and tomorrow, do this. With your family or your closest group of friends, pray for God to put a heart of love and service in you and ask him to guide you to the people to love, the cause to support. Next, 
do your research and find a way to serve together as a group in a way that you're all into. Maybe you need to ask an organization or a leader or a person in need, what do you want me to do for you? Then be like Jesus and find a way to do it. Start the process over. Pray, research, serve, repeat. Pray, research, serve, repeat. Today, be great. Be like Jesus. Be a servant, a slave to all. Let's pray. Lord, this is not easy or we would have been doing it. Our sinful, selfish nature is strong, but it is not stronger than you. You conquered the grave and you can conquer that part of us. I pray that we would come to love the things that you love and uh, that by your Spirit's power working in us, we would be great, that we become like you by beholding you and spending time with you, caring about the things you care about and being a slave to all. Would you please this weekend guide us all to that next step of service to figure out how you want us to do it, who we are, how we show up, what needs there are, and to not settle for I don't know, but to ask somebody, what can I do for you? What can I do for this cause? And do it. Lord, move us. Change our motives. May we be moved by love. In Jesus' name, we praise you and thank you. Amen. If anybody needs to talk about this a little bit more before they go, let's have a conversation about it at 1.30 California time with the Zoom link below.